Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Education Conversations. Good evening, Tony Base. Hi, Patricia, and I to all the listeners. Thank you very much for joining us. So, A-teamers, Tony Bates is a financial advisor and a business insurance specialist. We're talking about cutting costs in order to be able to uh, survive a bit better month by month um, by cutting insurance policies. It sounds a bit dangerous to me uh, because Murphy's Law, but Tony is going to tell us a bit more. So, Tony, what are the first things that you find people cutting out in their budgets just so that they can survive? Well, as you just pointed out, insurance seems to be the one that people seem to cut out first um, because people feel that it's a grudge purchase instead of a purchase that is actually a necessity. But as time goes as well, we have to understand that not all insurance policies are purchased for the right reasons as well. So as we carry on, we'll actually cover or uncover um what you should have in place to save yourself a bit of money and which ones to cut out um, if it's in excess as well, Patricia. So, Tony, one thing I was saying earlier, the the, the Murphy's Law, you mm. decide to cancel sneakily your car insurance and then poof, sure. you're in, accident, in an accident hours later. Now you're in a problem. So that's also another challenge. But some other insurance policies aren't necessary like the must-haves. So maybe let's go through the ones that a person can say, I can do without this, if there is such a thing, in order for my budget to be able to accommodate the rising food costs and the rising petrol costs and the likes. So, Patricia, to answer that question, you would find the basics or the necessity things that you would need. You always find yourself in a position that, you ask yourself if this thing has to break today or something has to happen to this particular item, will I be able to survive without it? Or if I can create an income without it. I'll give an example of two items that are really key. If you are using a vehicle to create an income for yourself, you would need insurance on that cover and it would have to be something that is comprehensive because you would need to replace it with a hired car while the car is getting repaired or you'd be able to cover it in case it gets stolen so you start to analyze the insurance policies that you've got in place based on the need and if the replacement is an essential to you as a person as well another idea that i would give you is your cell phone insurance that you've got if you particularly need a specific type of phone for your job to get done, then you'd probably insure it for the value of a replacement. But if you feel, if my phone has to go missing today, I can actually fund myself another phone. Then you self-insure or self-fund yourself to actually get another phone. When we look at policies, we have to understand what the actual impact of that policy would be on our lives if that items need to be replaced. That's in terms of a physical item. In terms of the life side, you have to understand if you are either under-insuring yourself or over-insuring yourself as well. Because a lot of people feel that I'll buy 10 funeral policies from a specific company. Yes, there is no limit in terms of 
what you can cover yourself with, but is there a real need? A funeral policy or a life cover policy should not be there to enrich. It should be there to assist and replace the income that has been lost. So understanding exactly what the essential need would be that particular policy will make you understand what you need to cut out and what you have to leave in place, Patricia. Well, obviously, other people would say, I'm so used to having five funeral policies. And uh, what you are saying now to me, Tony Bass, makes sense. So who can sit down with me and take me through what is needed, what is necessary, what I can't live without, um, as opposed to just, you know, doing it myself? Because we end up buying insurance via the telephone, whether it's your cell phone insurance, um, car insurance, life insurance. We buy it most of the time telephonically and we don't even know what we are getting ourselves into. So who should we be sitting down with? So firstly, take your bank statement. Try and understand exactly what type of covers you've got in place. After you've done that, sit down with a financial advisor where you both can do a financial needs analysis. What this does is it takes into account all the liabilities that you've got in place and all of the assets that you've got in place and what type of policies you've got. On the other hand, to actually take care of some of the costs that may arise if you just said, Murphy's Law has to strike. So in that regard, sit down with a financial advisor that can pull out all the policies that you would have on your particular name. And you can also assist, which makes it a bit quicker as well, where the client actually requests for some of these policy schedules to be sent to them. You can go through it with your financial advisor, and they can give you an idea of exactly what cover you've got in place. This being said, when you start to exercise or doing such exercises, once a year at least, you can see what the cost is per year, but you can also start to shop around for things that are more cheaper, which will save you money as well, without you having to risk uh, yourself by not having cover in place. We've always said that it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it as well, Patricia. On that note, Tony Bass, how do we then try and save a bit more um, and not not have wasteful expenditure? Okay, so what one would do is look at the replacement value. So we're going to speak about insurance both on the short-term side and on the long-term side. In terms of the short-term side, which is your car, your cell, a phone, uh, you can also look at your income replacement as a short-term insurance as well, although it's more taken care of from the long-term side. Look at exactly what you would require. If you don't secure your income, you cannot pay for all the things that you've got. So that's an essential. If you don't pay for cover on your car and it's stolen or hijacked, are you in a position right now to replace it? If no, you need the insurance in place. If you cannot replace the cell phone that you currently are using to either do work or make those calls that you are required to do, I'm not saying for selfies. We can always find a phone that can take care of that. But if your job requires you to have a specific type of phone, it's an essential. It will add to your income. But if you are looking at insurance where you are particularly putting it on DSTV, at times you can actually put that money away on the side, self-insure yourself, 
and that could also be your just-in-case money. In case anything has to arise within your life, you can use that particular money to start to sort out the issues that you are currently having. So self-insurance is also an option for any element of insurance that is not an essential and not a must-fix-right-now type of situation. In terms of the long-term insurance side, don't over-insure yourself. For you to understand exactly what is required, sit down and work out a plan. If you are saying, I would like to insure, and no one would ever know what they want to insure themselves for. A lot of people say, yeah, but do I go for a million rand cover? Do I go for 500,000 rand cover? What is my exact value? What you do is, you take your current income, because that is normally what you are trying to replace with something like a life cover. You try and understand exactly how long, let's say your child is eight years old. If you are telling me tomorrow you have to pass away, you would want to take care of your child's needs in terms of education, food, clothing, um, and all of those necessities that a child would need up to the age of 21. Start to work out what your salary would, what your salary requirements would be from the age of eight up to 21. That sum that you come up with would be divided into the years and a sum will be given in terms of what the actual amount of cover needed is. When you put a specific objective to the amount of money that you would like to put on a life cover, it has to be directly linked to a specific need. At the end of the day, guys, we find people having two, three, four life policies in place which doesn't actually address any of the needs. It basically just enriches, and that's where you have to prove to any insurance company before they give you any um, cover is that there is an insurable interest there for them to give you that particular cover, Patricia, as well. That's how you start to save money. You will start to see that you are over-insuring yourself, and some of that money can be used to your just-in-case funds that we spoke about last week. Uh, some of that money can be going towards your tax-free investments that you can also look at. Some of that money can actually go towards your retirement annuities because the longer you save, the more uh, money you would have at the end as well. But also, the longer the money is in a specific saving vehicle, the more money you would have at the end as well, Patricia. So you're enjoying it uh, both ways are not only taking away from the insurance cover that you pay month on month, but also putting it towards something that you can actually enjoy towards the end of your either career in terms of working, uh, or if anything has to happen to you in terms of disability, um, such things as well, Patricia. You know, I love the fact that you're saying, uh, look at what you're insured for. If you are overinsured for your life, um, you at most times you won't even get paid out that amount. So, um, because there are regulations around that, and I also like the fact that you touched on the fact that there's a lot of people who will have five different stock fails, abo masungabisane, abai hundred. Just so that when they pass away, uh, they can have a dignified funeral, but doesn't really cater for their beneficiaries. It's just for that dignified funeral and it ends there. So perhaps sit down with a financial advisor like yourself, 
get the advice, check what you're insured for, and then if there's extra money, save it for the future. I love that, Tony. I think that's what we should be doing. And also saving for our children, because at the end of the day, we are not just saving for now, we're saving for a legacy. Let me go to our A-teamers voice note. What are ramifications if the insurance company utilize a service provider like a towing service who does not pay tax, who don't give invoices, who defraud customers, KJ. Wow. Okay. KG, it sounds like you're speaking from experience. So, uh, Tony, yeah. yeah? So, basically, with such an instant, all insurance companies have to make sure that the particular towing company sits on their panel. If this is not the case, and the insurance company allows a towing company to take the vehicle on their own, and does not actually provide any documentation back or pay tax, the towing companies are liable on their own because they're an entity of their own. But you can also report it to the insurance company as a whole to make them aware. But if you don't get any joy from that, you can actually go to the short-term ombudsman and explain your story to him. Most of the time, the ombudsman is always on the side of the consumer. So you've got a better foot to stand on if that is the type of ramifications that you need. So what will happen there is the ombudsman will step in. He will either fine the insurance company for using service providers that are not tax compliant, and also he might actually um, try and remedy your situation as well. Remember the Ombudsman is always on the side of the consumer, so it's always a nice way for you to know that you're always protected when you're getting into some of these contracts that we see flying around as well, day to day as well, Patricia. Uh, this message from Lulama in Whittlesea says, uh, Hi, Patricia. Unfortunately, these insurances look at the color of your skin before they pay. Like in my case, they never paid my car, uh, whereas I had never jumped their payments. I paid until the end. And my car, which is beyond repairs. So for me, I hate any insurance. Is there, is there truth in this that um, we are racially profiled by insurance companies? You know, Patricia, I... Um, for me personally, uh, some of the insurance guys that I've worked uh, with, um, I would not say that uh, they have done such. Um, but yeah, if a person says that they have, again, I would refer you to a short-term ombudsman, which would be your best remedy for such an instance. But insurance guys, when they do repudiate the claim and say that they aren't going to pay, they have to give just cause. They have to give evidence based on the fact that X, Y, and Z was not followed through. Um, it might have been a drunk and driving charge. They have to prove to you why they're not going to pay it. Normally, if they cannot prove why they don't want to pay it, you know, ombudsman would be your best bet. Because the ombudsman is the person that has the power to overturn any judgment that has been made any insurance company. So if you feel that you were wrongfully treated, 
I would suggest that you write a letter. I can actually assist you with that as well. Write a letter. You can actually send it in, and let's see how we can best assist you via those channels. On that note, Tony, thank you so very much for joining us. Um, I'm going to ask that you give us your contact details. Or you'll be back again next week where you educate us more about how we can save on those rands and cents. Yeah, so you can find me on 060-977-5630. You can also follow me on Facebook. It's Tony Bays, T-O-N-Y-B-U-Y-S. Same for Instagram and same for Twitter. Thank you very much, Mr. Bays. Always a great pleasure. Always a pleasure. Bye.